Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. In this series, we celebrate the way in which God Christmased us 2,000 years ago with Jesus. This series is all about the love of God and our call to spread that love. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. You got Christmased. I got Christmased. Now let's spread the love of Christmas to others. Now here's Dr. Kelly with today's message. So glad you're in the house of the Lord today. I want to welcome those of you here at Central Campus. And then hold off on the applause. We're going to do it all at one time. We want to welcome the Garner Campus, the Sanford Campus, the North Raleigh Campus, the Columbia Campus, the Internet Campus, the Coffee House Campus, and anyone else. Nairobi Campus, they are rocking and rolling as a core visionary team. Now on the count of three at all of our campuses because it goes both, way, oh, both ways on the count of three. Everybody give it up for the family of God. One, two, three. On the count of three, everybody say Merry Christmas to one another. One, two, three. Merry Christmas. Yeah, it's good to be in God's house today. Real quick, uh, uh, probably the last time I'll mention this. Actually, that's probably a lie because we'll have a lot of guests here next week. I'll mention it for the Christmas services. But don't forget, uh, we love to give you a Christmas card and a Christmas picture from uh, my family. We've been doing this for 12 years now since the church started. And so those are in the rotunda. And at all of our campuses, lobbies, and rotundas, just grab one on the way out. If you haven't gotten one yet, I would love to give you that. And uh, some of you have been asking, well, pastor, you, you give us that. What can we give you? Nothing. Remember last week I talked about we don't give gifts because we get them from people, right? That's giving out of obligation and duty. So don't fall into that this year, right? But if you insist and you just got to do something, I'm going to give it to you in three words. Duke basketball tickets. (laughs) Just kidding. Actually, not really. Um, oh, oh, second best, Carolina basketball tickets. How about the Hills, man? Hills beating up on Kentucky yesterday. Michigan State earlier. Third best, okay, I'll be inclusive, North Carolina State tickets. Any kind of basketball. I just love basketball, but I don't hardly have time for any of that anyway. But anyway... Merry Christmas. Glad you are here. Hey, um, open up your Bibles. I'm doing something today that I don't think I've ever done. I'm actually preaching on the very same passage that I preached on last week. Yeah, uh, I was supposed to go to John's gospel this week. And uh, we were in Luke's gospel the first week, Matthew's gospel the second week, John's gospel this week. But I got to tell you, I could not do it. The Holy Spirit would not let me shake Matthew chapter 2, and I think you folks want me to follow the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Every commentary I read this week, every song I seemed to listen to this week mentioned Matthew 2 and the star. Every sermon that I listened to from other great preachers seemed to speak to the star. I woke up in the middle of the night, couldn't stop thinking about the star. And so finally, just a few days ago, I'm like, okay, God, like I know I'm a little hard-headed. You've been trying to tell me this all week. But I'm going to go back to Matthew chapter 2. Now, it's going to be a completely different message. 
You do know, don't you, that every passage of Scripture is so powerful, so rich, so thick, that there are multiple messages in each passage of Scripture. Same passage this week, but a totally different message from the Word of the Lord. And before I get there, I just want to kind of ask you something. Have you ever, have you ever talked about doing something for a long period of time, but you never did get around to doing it? Like, you ever talked about a trip... And you never actually got around to doing it. It happened to me uh, in 2013. In fact, my wife and I, uh, we're big country music fans. Yeah! The godly people are clapping now. That's what I'm saying. Raise your hand if you, if, if you will admit it. You don't like country music. You know, you're one of those you think, you know, if you play country music backwards, you get your wife back. You get your truck back. You get your dog back. You know what I'm saying? But so those of you who just raised your hands, and when the service is over today, I'm going to have an altar call right over here. And you people need Jesus in a big kind of way. In fact, I love all kinds of music, man. I love funk. I love rap. I love Christian. I love country. I love it all. Um, but here's the deal. I love country music, just deep in who I am. And um, like for the longest time, I've said to my wife, you know, I'd like to go to the Grand Ole Opry. Just one time, you know, just a bucket list item. I'd like to do it just one time. And in 2013, it was back in the spring, my wife, oh, Lord, she's so, I'm I, I married way above my head. You know what I'm saying? That was a good place for an amen, amen. if you know us, right? Um, and so I, she actually surprised me. She told me to block a couple days off on my calendar. She would not tell me where we were going, I simply knew that I had to be at the airport at 5 o'clock in the morning. Now, I don't know, but I don't even think God's up at 5 o'clock in the morning. So I got up at 5 o'clock in the morning. We went to the airport. I had no idea where I was going till I saw it on the gate and went into the plane and the stewardess started talking about it. I still wasn't quite sure what we were doing. And we actually went to the Grand Ole Opry. Short trip. I mean, flew in, experienced it, flew out. Incredible Trip. And I remember thinking, how cool is it that my wife took something that we had been talking about doing and she actually made it happen? Listen to me, church. Here's my question to you. Take out your teaching notes. What would it look like for us to stop talking to people about Jesus and actually start taking people to Jesus? My, my. Let the heaviness of that one sit on it. On the count of three, why don't we read it out loud together? I made it plural so we could be in this moment together. Ready? Go. What would it look like for us to stop talking to people about Jesus and actually start... Actually start what? Like, I'm going to go right at it today. I'm not going to play around. I'm going to let you know on the front end... That my goal, I have one goal today. My goal is to convince you to join me in actually going out this week and playing the role of the star in Matthew chapter 2. If you don't know the Bible, in Matthew chapter 2, God uses a star to do what? Take the magi, the wise men, where? To Jesus where they bowed down and they worshipped him and their lives were changed 
forever. I'm calling us as a church to think right now about who in the world we could go out this week and take, not talk, take them to this church or some church. It surely doesn't have to be New Hope, but some church where Jesus Christ is going to be lifted up and presented in a compelling fashion so that men and women like the wise men can bow and have their lives changed. Like that's where we're going today. And that was the role of the star. Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. I could teach a lot better up in here if I had a star today. Wouldn't it be great to have a star in the house of the Lord today? Oh, give it up for the productions team. Matthew chapter 2. Because guys, this is why I couldn't shake Matthew 2 this week. Because I believe, listen, God wants you and God wants me. I'm talking to every single one of you. God wants you and God wants me to bring somebody to a Christmas service next week. Because come on, let's be real. The Christmas story, we love that the Christmas story is, is for us. Amen? Amen? But can I just remind you that the Christmas story is not just for us? It's for everybody. Listen, Jesus is not the reason for the season. Jesus is the reason for everything. I would have expected a far more hearty amen than that. Jesus is the reason for everything. And the church is the one organization on the planet that exists for the person who is not here yet. Oh, I got some convincing to do today, I can tell. Some of you are thinking, well, aren't we big enough? I couldn't hardly find a parking place today. Do you ever find it interesting that when we go to sporting events... You're funny. I've never seen anybody walk up to a, to a stadium full of people and go, you know, honey, it's too big around here. <laughs> I've never seen that happen. Why is it that we get excited about bigness in, store, in sporting events, and yet sometimes in the church we can think, you know what, we got enough people here. Come on now. Somebody get with me here today. The church is not about getting big. The church is about reaching people for Jesus. Amen. That's on the front of our building, church. We always want to be about lifting Jesus high. And so I want to talk to you about three statements today. Three statements that come right from Matthew chapter 2. And I want to convince you again. I'm showing my cards on the front end. I want to convince every single one of you to walk out of here today and say, you know what? I am not going to just talk to people about Jesus. I'm actually going to take somebody where they can experience Jesus. First one, if you're taking notes, be a connector. Be a what, church? Be a connector in Matthew chapter 2. Let's read the word of the Lord together on the count of three. One, two, three, go. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked... Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Let's continue. We saw his star when it rose and have come to... We did what? We saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. Church, they came from a long ways away. Last week I told you, right? They came from afar. Remember that? 
They came from afar. You might say, well, if you know some translations, it says they came from the east. The best we can tell, that means they came from modern-day Iran, Persia area. They came a long way. Magi, if you're taking notes, the word is magos. And it basically means that they were astronomers. The Magi were studying stars, which would lead you to think that's probably why they noticed the star that God had sent them to take them to the Christ. Now, put on your thinking caps here. If you know the Old Testament, you know that astronomy in the Old Testament was frowned upon as a sin, Isn't it interesting that God, when God found the Magi, God didn't say, hey, you people who are sinning, cut it out. Cut it out or I'm going to take you out, right? I brought you into this world, I can take you out of this world. No. What did God do? God actually took them where they were and brought them what? To where they needed to be. Now listen, church, that's a very important message for the church because I believe the church has for far too long actually tried to tell people, you better clean up your act before you come in among us. Hey, don't you dare come in among us until you look like we look like. Hey, whoever you are, don't you dare come to the church until you dress like we dress, right? Put on your suit. I put on a chai today. Come on. Right? You might be a guest thinking, well, no, this is... They just laugh because this is not normal, (laughs) right? But the church for way too long has said to people, you better look like we look. You better think like we think. You better believe what we believe. You better be able to dress like we dress or don't you come around here. Instead, clean yourself up before you come into our church. And I just wanted to let you know that we have from day one always said no, no, no. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you smell like. It doesn't matter what you did last night. You, any of you, are always welcome up in the house of God. Why? Because God is the one who takes people, listen, from where they are, come on church, to where they need to be. And it is not our job to clean people up. We leave that up to Almighty God. And eternity is way too long to get it wrong, church. Eternity is way too long for us to get it wrong. There are people who are around us every single day who are far from God. There are people living in your neighborhoods, in your apartment complexes. There are people who work with you. Sometimes it's that person who gets on your last nerve. There are family members, right, who are far from God And Matthew 2 and the story of the star would communicate to us that God wants to use us to connect them to Jesus. Who is it in your sphere of influence? Like, I just want to pause there for a moment. Who is the face that is flashing before your eyes right now? What's the name that's coming to your mind right now? Beloved, that's not the pizza you ate last night. 
I would actually suggest to you that that's the Holy Spirit leading you right now in this moment to understand that God wants to use you to connect that person to Jesus. So why don't you write their name down right now? Oh, I love it. I see people going for their pen. Well, write it down. It's okay. We got some time here. Write it down. Who is it that he's calling you to go out this week and say, hey, why don't you come to church with me next week? We have. You can literally say this. I might have gotten the math wrong. I tried to add it up last night. You might would think I know these things, but I really can't hardly keep up with it anymore. But we have 26 worship celebrations next week. And again, I might have got it wrong. That doesn't even count the internet services. We have 26 worship celebrations at the campuses of New Hope. They can't say, well, you know, I'm busy. Or I got a commitment at that time. No, no, no. There's a time that'll work for you. And what would it look like if we stopped just talking to them, but we played the role of the star, and we actually brought them with us to be connected to Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Number two, accept and overcome the obstacles. Accept and overcome what church? Now you need to know this. Here, warning, warning, warning. Beep, beep, beep. The moment you start trying to reach people for Jesus with your one and only life, the moment you start praying for your neighbor, the moment you start strategically thinking about how you're going to plant seeds and invite them and take them to a place where they can receive Christ is the very moment you will start to experience obstacles in your life. That is how Satan rolls. If you don't care about the eternal destiny of people's souls, then Satan will leave you alone. Have you noticed this? If you don't care about living your life on point for God, Satan will leave you alone. But if you actually take it upon yourself to allow the calling of God that falls upon you and falls upon me through the Great Commission, go into the world and make disciples, the moment you start to do that is the very moment that obstacles will start coming your way. Take, think about the Grand Ole Opry story. Do you think my wife had to overcome some obstacles to take me to the Grand Ole Opry? Beloved, we have five kids. Come on, parents. We're kind of busy. She had to overcome obstacle after obstacle after obstacle to get us to Tennessee to experience the Grand Ole Opry. The wise men had to overcome obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. They were challenged with distance. They were men. They had to follow instructions. Come on, men. We all know that can be hard, right? Look what the Bible says in Matthew 2, 3 through 6. You read the last one so good. Let's read it out loud together. Matthew 2, 3 through 6. Ready? Go. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law... He asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, 
In Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. Listen to me, church. If you go to the Holy Land, and I hope you'll go. I'm taking another group. Either in 2014 or 2015, you'll hear this coming out. If you go to the Holy Land and you get to Jerusalem, Jerusalem was and is the epicenter of religious activity. What's interesting is everybody thought that the Messiah would come to Jerusalem. Instead, God chose to have the Messiah born where? In Bethlehem. Now, geographically, check this out. You can actually see Bethlehem from Jerusalem. You can stand in Jerusalem. It's like six miles away. And on a clear day, you can actually see Bethlehem. Now, what's fascinating to me is, again, Jerusalem was where the Messiah was to be born. That was the place of religious activity. But it is as if God said, you know what? I am not going to send Jesus to the epicenter of religious activity. I'm actually going to send him to another place so that my people can understand they are not saved by religion. Some of you need to hear this. But they are saved by a relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of you need to understand that there is a big difference. There is a big difference between religious activity and spiritual maturity. And again, eternity is a long time to get it wrong. And God said, I'm going to send Jesus to Bethlehem, not Jerusalem, so my people understand religion cannot save you. You might say, well, unpack that a little bit for me, Pastor. Here it is. Listen, you know what religion is? If I could just sum it up, here's religion. Religion is man and woman's attempt to reach God. Busy, busy, busy. It's all about what I do. Christianity is about man and woman letting God reach us in Christ. Did you hear me? Religion is all about what we do. Christianity is all about what Jesus has done. It's not about religious activity. And they had to overcome obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And notice that the star is leading them where they needed to be. They were not where they needed to be physically. They were not where they needed to be spiritually. And yet God was patient with them. Anybody here ever have a problem being patient with people? Woo! Hands popping up all over the place. Anybody have an extra hard time being patient with people during the holidays? Oh, my Lord. I went shopping this week. I said, oh, God. I, I, I think I'm going to do online shopping. How many of you just said, you know what, forget the crowds. You've just gone online. Man, it is hard to be patient with people. And yet... We need to understand that God is patient with people. We need to be as patient with people as God has been with us. Come on now. Where would you be without the patience of God in your life? Think about it. Where in the world would I be without the patience of God? There's this great little verse over there in 2 Peter, and it says this, 2 Peter, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means what? Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. What would it look like for those who you're thinking about reaching? Because here's the deal. Some of you have just given up on people. 
You've written a loved one off. You've written a spouse off. That person who works with you and you know they are so far from God. You're thinking there's no way God could ever reach that scoundrel. And I would just say to you today, oh yes he can. Some of you are here, speaking about a little tender subject. Some of you are here and you got a child who's out in in the far country. They're a prodigal. And you've prayed and you've wondered, could God ever reach them? I wanted to let you know today, church, that God can reach them. I wanted to let you know today, church, that there is no one, did you hear me? No one that is beyond the reach of God. God is patient with his children and we should be patient with his children as well. A friend of mine told me a story. He was on a plane. And you know, if there's, if there's ever something that will really just get on your nerves and test your patience, can I just say, it's flying. Like the, the air, you know, those of you who fly, you know this. Like flying can test your patience. And I don't know what it is, but there's this universal thing that goes down in flying where when kids, young kids, get on the plane, they just, they just immediately melt down. Have you noticed this is like a universal thing? You take a young kid and, you know, it's pressure on the eardrums and all that kind of stuff. Well, my friend was telling me a story. He was flying and there was a person right in front of him, not just a person, but a husband and a wife, and they had two kids. And the two kids started to do the universal breakdown that I'm telling you about. I mean, they just started freaking out. And this was a long flight. And so about halfway through the flight, I mean, people on different rows, man, they were getting frustrated. They were asking the airline stewardesses, could they do something? I mean, dirty diapers everywhere, bottles, crackers, and the kids are just still, ah, just melting down the entire time. And, and, and the guy, my friend said, hey, he turned around and he said, I see you got two kids. <laughs> and the husband and the wife said, yes. We got two kids. The guy said, I wish my wife and I could have two kids. The guy said, oh, you don't have kids? My buddy said, oh, no, we have six kids. (laughs) And we really wish we could have two. Patience, man, patience. Here's my point. Don't miss this. God doesn't have two kids. God doesn't have six kids. God has a planet full of kids. And he is patient with his children. And he calls you and he calls me to be patient with them as well. Can I get an amen? Who is it again? Who is it that's coming to your mind as I'm preaching today? What face is flashing before you? What name you cannot shake? That is not... A distraction. That's the Holy Spirit of God leading you to be a connector, leading you to invest in that person and invite that person and not just talk to that person about Jesus, but listen to me, church, play the role of the star and actually carry that person to a place where she or he can receive Christ, have their sins forgiven, have their slate clean, find ultimate purpose and peace in life, and spend all of eternity with you and me, with God forever. Who is it? 
You got to be a connector if you're going to live your life on point. You got to overcome some obstacles. And here's the third and final thing you got to embrace and celebrate Christ as the agent of change. You've got to celebrate Christ as the agent of what church? Change. Hey, i got a question for you. Show of hands on this one. How many of you, if you could change something about your physical appearance... <laughs> I wish y'all could see what I see sometimes. That was not what y'all were expecting me to say. How many of you, I'll leave y'all alone for a moment. How many of you, if you could change something about your physical appearance at all of our campuses, let me see a show of hands. Okay, that's probably about 70% of you. Let me tell you about the 30% who didn't raise their hands. You are either just a non-participatory person in worship. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter if Jesus splits the eastern sky and returns, man, you're just still going to sit there, right? Uh, that's cool. I'm glad you're here, Mr. and Miss Non-Participatory. Or you are a liar. Every single person up in here would change something about themselves physically. Man, I'd change all kind of things about me. You know what I'm saying? I'd change all kind of things. And I'd not only change some physical things about me, I'd change some internal stuff about me, right? Right. Again, show of hands, how many of you, if you could, would change your thought life from time to time? Right. For those of you who didn't raise your hands, what if I told you that this week we had the capability of capturing everything you thought this week? And we're going to throw that bad boy up on the screen. You'd be like, ah, run. You'd be out of here, man. Right? Now, how many of you would like me, you know, you'd change stuff about you physically? You'd change stuff inside of you? You'd also change some things about this world that we live in. Like I would change the fact that addiction to illegal and legal drugs is higher than it's ever been. I would change the fact that marriages are dissolving in our country like they never have before. I would change the fact that this week while sitting on my couch, I had to say to my youngest child after he asked, Dad, are there always wars going on? I would change the fact that I had to say to him, Son, it is unfortunate, but there's always wars going on somewhere. I would change the fact that 30% of the children in some parts of America, and it's growing, 30% are being born and raised in single mom homes. I would change the fact that 27 million young girls are called up in the sex trade. I would change those things 
And not only would I change those things in the world, I would change things about me. And I've come to actually understand after following Christ for 25 years, I can't change me. I can't change physical things about me. I can't change internal things about me. I can't change this old sin-scarred world that we live in. But I know somebody who can. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he still has the power to change a life. Jesus Christ. I am just fool enough to believe that Jesus Christ still changes lives. I'm just crazy enough to believe that when a man and a woman comes into a relationship with Christ and like the Magi, they bow down before Jesus and they receive the gift of Christmas, I'm just crazy enough to believe that that changes the eternal trajectory of a person's soul. And I'm just crazy enough to believe that if the church would rise up and be the church and we see enough people changed that we can actually change the Carolinas. And I'm crazy enough to believe that if we change the Carolinas and we keep reaching people for Jesus, we can change a nation. And I actually believe that if the church will be the church, the hope of the world, we can change the world I believe that and if I didn't I would not be standing in front of you today and he wants to use you and you and you and you you and me and everybody watching this on television or in front of a computer screen or at one of our campuses. He wants to use you to play the role of a star to connect your friends, your family members to Christ. To overcome the obstacles when they come up. And they will. And to actually introduce your loved ones. To the one and only change agent in the world. And his name is Jesus. I'm not going to read it to you. But you can mark it in your Bibles or on your tablets. Look at Matthew 2.12. Isn't it interesting. That when the Magi came. God brought them to Christ. Through a star. But then God started leading them from that moment on through a dream. Powerful truth in that. The star brought them to Christ. But then they started being led by the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Matthew 2, 12, another interesting nugget. They came one route. They came one route, but it's kind of a nugget just hidden there at the end of that passage. They left by another route. Further indication, beloved, that our God is a God who changes lives. Our God is a God who has changed our lives. If your life has been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, let me hear an amen. Amen. Let me take it one step further at all of our campuses. This is going to be a powerful visual for you. If you're here today at Central Campus or any of our campuses 
And you're here because someone reached out to you. Someone played the role of the star. Someone brought you to New Hope Church. Someone told you about this place. And because of a star, someone connecting you to Christ through the movement of New Hope, you're here and God is changing your life. If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand right now. Just raise it up. Wow. Hold them up for just a moment. Look at that. Look at that. We're not done, church. We're not done. You might say, well, when is enough enough? When will we be done reaching? I'll tell you. It's when you can look me in the eye and I can look you in the eye and with all integrity and honesty, we can say, you know what? There's no one that lives around our church that's far from God. But until that's a reality... It's game on, church. Until that's a reality, the vision is still alive. And there is no better opportunity to play the role of a star and take somebody to church than Christmas. Studies show us time and time again, they'll come. You just got to invite them. And don't just talk to them about it. Take them. Pick them up. Bring somebody with you to a Christmas celebration. Because here's the deal. You get them here and I'll offer them Jesus. Deal? You get them here. We won't make them feel on the spot. We will not stick a microphone in their face. God bless the churches that do that. That is stupid. The number one fear amongst most people is that they got to speak in public. And then they show up at church and we go, hey, how you doing? Where are you from? Stick a microphone in their mouth. Idiotic. We'll make them feel welcome, regardless of who they are. We'll give them free beverages at the cafe. We'll give them a Bible if they need one. But then we will preach the gospel and give them an opportunity like the Magi to bow. To the one and only who can change lives. Our Christmas celebrations, I'm telling you church. Our Christmas celebrations this year are going to be the best Christmas celebrations we have ever had. It's going to be off the chain. You do not want to miss it. It's going to bless you. But what would it look like for you to show up between Sunday and Tuesday. With somebody at your side. Somebody you've brought. And you sit with them. And not only are you sitting there to be blessed and encouraged, but you're sitting there praying, praying, praying that this person that you have brought who is far from God will be moved by the Spirit of God and will bow and accept Christ. That is the vision of the church. And today, more than anything, I wanted you to wrestle with that. Who are you going to bring? How are you going to start building the relationship and the invitation today when you walk out of those doors? Pray with me. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you that you you reached us, God. Thank you that somewhere along the way, somebody invited us to you. 
Somebody brought us to your house. Somebody knelt down with us and prayed in a room, in a jail cell, in a cubicle, in a house. And we're here because you've changed us, God. And the temptation can be to just get all caught up in ourselves. Not realizing, Father, that it is your kindness, it is your patience that continues to bring people to you. Not realizing, God, that your mission on planet Earth shall never, ever, ever stop until every single person is reached with the gospel or, Lord God, you choose to bring an end to it all. Whatever the case may be, Father, I pray that we as your church, as New Hope, would join other churches, God, and keep the main thing the main thing and realize this Christmas story that we treasure, that we love. It's not just for us. Lord, never let us sit around and navel gaze and make this thing about us. Let us continue to sacrifice. Let us continue to create space. Let us continue to give up seats. Let us continue to make parking spaces. Let's continue to do anything we need to do. Whatever it takes, God. To have you use us like you use the star to get people who are far from you bowed down, humbled, broken, surrendered, and worshiping you. Sign us up, God. As a church we're in, speak to us, lead us, and guide us this week, and we will follow. In the name of Jesus, we will follow. And all of God's people said together, amen, and amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.